Welcome to the Tell Me Something Real podcast. Real people, real stories, real talk. Greetings, realists. Welcome to this episode of the Tell Me Something Real podcast. Hi, Kelly. Hi, Heather. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. The sun is shining. It is a beautiful day in Oregon. And it's March. So it's probably a long time before we'll see another sunny day. How is it out east? It's the same, but I think it's supposed to rain and be freezing tomorrow. Nice. I think that's what's going to be here too. So yay, winter. (laughs) All right. So let's just, uh, I think we have something big that you want to talk about this week. So I'll yes. just catch you up on some stuff because I've got like a All few right. things going on this week. Let's do um, it. I will say like, I don't know if we edited this out, but weeks ago I was going to talk about like the Lisa Marie Presley dying yeah. thing and like all of this. And that was like a really big deal in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I've been such a huge Elvis fan my whole life. Yeah. I like had followed Lisa Marie Presley like her whole life essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, but so recently... But then I decided not to talk about any of that because it just became old news. Yeah. Um, and no one's interested, but except me. <laughs> but then <laughs> recently, um, a new Amazon series came out called Daisy Jones and the Six. And it I saw is, that. It's I haven't watched on, it. Well, it's based on a book. Okay. Um, and I think I could be really wrong about this, but I think that Reese Witherspoon is producing it oh Uh, nice she she has actually been producing a lot of things lately because so I guess she has a book club on Instagram I don't know I have never followed her on Instagram but I think that she I do follow her and I'm not not familiar maybe well, she's I, had a book club for years on instagram i don't pay attention to anything on book clubs i think that she read. is actually now producing some of those being made nice. so anyway uh lisa marie presley's daughter riley keogh is in daisy jones and the six she's like the main character she's oh, daisy jones okay um i felt like she looked like somebody important i just saw the promo for it earlier today So anyway, like I've seen Riley Keough in a few movies from this point, but this, I, it seemed like a really big deal. So I've been watching it. Um, I really like it. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's very hard for me to determine if I would like it if I hadn't been following Riley Keough for a long time Mm. or if I didn't know who Riley Keough was Yeah, because in some as like the the idea of it is really cool like it's I think it's kind of loosely based on Fleetwood Mac um Mm. okay it's like it's a about a rock band in the 70s and there are like all these love triangles and all of this stuff going on and you know it's like a lot about this these issues between the band so it's a fake documentary basically Mm -hmm. about a fake band in the 70s who basically played this big huge show and it was their last show they only had one album together um all this discourse you know sex drugs rock and roll all of these things so it's like a cool you know kind of um what was that movie that we all loved like back in the day in the early 2000s with um 
Billy Crudup and uh, Kate. Almost Famous. Yes. Okay. So I it reminds so love me, that movie. Oh. It has kind of like an Almost Famous vibe to it, but it's yeah. a little bit cheesy. But Almost Famous mm. was a little bit cheesy. It's really hard. Yeah. I was thinking like it's actually very hard to portray like men and women without being cheesy because like I'm watching all this stuff and I'm like wow this is so cliche and then I'm like wow but women men and women's relationships are really cliche like oh yeah so maybe it's just like how you know life mm-hmm. um but I think it's cool she, they all had to learn how to sing and play instruments and stuff for this thing um, I love when people do that and almost famous did that too so um Peter Frampton I believe was hired uh, and they did like a six-week uh, rock camp. So Jason Lee, who played the lead singer in the made-up band Stillwater, uh, him and all the band members. I think the drummer was a real drummer because I don't think you can learn to be a drummer in six weeks. So the drummer had very few lines and almost famous. But the rest of the cast, Billy Crudup and um, and Jason Lee and whoever the other guy was he wasn't quite as famous but yeah none of them played music instru- musical instruments and they went to rock camp with peter frampton and i'm wow. like and i and it really shows through and then kate hudson like during the making of that movie was like dating falling in love marrying chris robinson mm-hmm. so she was really like a true life person who was in love with musicians and music and rock and roll so it was very genuine and the little kid in that movie that was really like his first role that guy like was just a nobody from some audition Mm -hmm. and so they were saying that that really was his first life experience in real life so like a lot of what he was acting was just him really you know like having these experiences with these huge rock stars on this big movie set and so it all came i love that movie i want to tell you something really quick i just bought a used volvo and they left the cds in it and one of the cds is the soundtrack for almost famous and it's like oh i love this movie i don't even think i remember the soundtrack anyway it's Um, so good it's just all the classic rock songs you know so these people all went to rock camp too for like a year yeah because they were supposed to be filming during covid so Mm -hmm. um it kind of got delayed and you know all of this stuff and um So yeah, it's really interesting. I will say that, you know, I hate to do this because, you know, there's all this like Nepo baby stuff. And I know that people have like a really hard time when they grow up with like a famous last name. She doesn't have a famous last name, but you know, you get it. Um, But I will say that it actually was incredibly distracting to me. Now, a lot of people look at her and don't even think that she looks anything like Elvis, but -hmm. it was incredibly distracting to me because she, to me, looks so much like her parents and like, sometimes she will smile or like do something and I'm like holy shit this is weird because it's also she looks so much like her mother like so much Mm. like her mother she also looks a lot like her father um but like it's just really weird and she actually she and her mother have it and I was watching a lot of the interviews with her for this and everybody Mm -hmm. kept talking about well you you're this is in your genes you know your grandfather was Elvis and I don't know it seemed really rude because Lisa Marie Presley her mother had like three albums you know I mean like Mm -hmm. you know was like yeah very into music and her father is a musician Mm -hmm. her father has all has been a musician like his whole life 
Um, now he's not like a famous musician, but you know, that's what he does too. So I don't know that I would, that would be really frustrating. I can imagine, especially now with Lisa Marie Presley, not here anymore for people Mm -hmm. to constantly be, you know, but I mean, she did like do some nods, I think to Elvis. Like I think that her guitar strap in the show is like a replica of the guitar strap that he wore in, you know, some really famous things and stuff. So it's really cool, but um anyway it's good it's cool it's been a while since I've seen a kind of rock and roll show like that so it's really interesting and okay um, I'm gonna definitely go watch it now because I literally saw the commercial for it this morning and I was like gosh that girl looks familiar like I feel like I should know her and I think I even got this like she could almost be Kate Hudson and so you know or some like feeling of like she had that air so it's mm -hmm. just interesting that you're literally having this conversation with me right now after I just hours ago saw this commercial and had some and the music's thoughts. good you know like they wrote music like now they have an album because they recorded an album for mm-hmm. it um so it's just it's really interesting like I said it's not the greatest thing I've ever seen but mm-hmm. I you know it's been a while since I've watched a show like that and it's fun I like it yeah well good so. okay I will give that a shot I have to just say that I finished up a show just the other day my favorite new show on tv of all time i think and it's starring my favorite actress and i'm so happy to see her coming back into the spotlight i think she disappeared for a long time it's poker face yay so okay kelly i want to tell you something so you know how i'm not into pop culture and i don't know anything about people's lives Okay, so now I'm learning stuff about people's lives, and it makes it so much harder to watch them on screen. And so I'm getting to this point where I'm like, okay, are there people that I should not learn about because I really want to enjoy them on screen? And I'm scared. Natasha Leone. I want to learn about her because I think that the character she plays and and what she portrays on the screen, I'm guessing she draws from real life experiences. But then I'm wondering, does it make it too real and too painful to then see her acting that stuff out? I don't know, because I enjoy her so much. She's been one of my favorite actresses for literally more than 20 years. That's I so fascinating to me. Absolutely adore her. She starred in a movie that came out back in like, 2000 but i'm a cheerleader but i'm a cheerleader with rupaul and clea duvall i really didn't like that movie and i didn't understand why anyone else liked that movie at all because it was that movie was so it was like the movie that every like all my friends everybody loved it was the movie that cool people liked but i really didn't like anything about it she was in this other movie that i did like that i think came out before that that i was like really obsessed with um slums of beverly hills okay. i really really I, love slums of beverly hills i have hills. not seen that what um, she's like your favorite actress you just said that. i know i know but i haven't seen necessarily everything she did you watch done. russian doll so yes i did watch russian doll i actually started it with my husband and mm-hmm. he immediately hated it because he's so turned off by the repeating the day the groundhog day thing like he can't, i mean i don't know anything i haven't watched it so i don't even know anything it's about got it. a groundhog day effect and okay. the minute that a show starts back over and shows you that they're going to keep repeating a day or a, an event, uh, he's out. So he was like, this is stupid. I'm not watching it. So I shut it down. 
yeah, I went back and watched it on my own and absolutely loved it. And then when the second season came out, I fell madly in love with it. I felt the second season was so good. It was so, it was like going on an acid trip without doing any drugs. And I appreciated that aspect mm-hmm. of it. Like, I really felt like it took me on a journey that yeah. was so unrealistic slash surrealistic. Um, so not completely, because I can't go into like total fantasy. That does not, it, so, but this is more like surrealism. And I really enjoy that, much like a Salvador Dali painting. So I loved yeah. Russian Doll. I love whatever she's done in her life, whatever's happening now. She's producing these shows. She's now in Poker Face, which is like all-star cast changing each week. Um, kind of almost a Columbo. Here's what I don't like about Poker Face. So I started okay. watching it when it, it? Per- I started watching it when it first came out. Okay. Um I I hate how violent it is. Which is yeah, there's not really even that much violence in it. But I know that there's going to be a new murder every episode because so that is one thing that I really like about Poker Face. If you haven't watched mm-hmm. Poker Face, it's not consecutive. You can just pick up any of them and it doesn't really matter. Yeah, there is um, an overarching plot that does run yeah. through. But, but I will say that I haven't actually, I've only watched three episodes and that whole plot hasn't really been relevant. It will come back around okay. and it's very relevant. So, but um, I'd say you could watch episode one through nine in any order it's only episode 10 where they really pick back up with the overarching plot but i will say like i so i watched one and two like immediately Mm -hmm. um because i really loved the first one even though i really again didn't like the violence and then the second one the violence really caught me off guard but i was like oh so that's the point like there's gonna be someone dead in every episode so there's going to have to be some kind of violence at some point and then in the third one, the guy like killed a dog and I'm like, all right, this is enough. Like I can't, like, I'm just, it's fucking. So enough. I feel like the third one got um, to be the most violent. And then after that, they start, it's more creative. Um, okay. Cause I will so say it, cha- it, just, it changes from being as violent. I would say. I can only watch so much of like that. And I get that again, mm-hmm. the violence is the point because the thing is, is that she solves mm-hmm. like these murders in each episode by her whole thing is that she and i'm not giving anything away by telling this you learned this in the first five minutes of the first episode but the whole thing is like she can tell when people are lying Mm -hmm. um so she solves all of these things by just like you know cues people are giving and it's really Mm -hmm. cool plays a really cool character although i'm not really sure how much of a character it is and how much of it is like who she's being in her life right now and i say that because um I actually don't even care that much about talking about poker face I just want to tell you that I have started watching it the reason I haven't kept up with it is because of the violence every episode even though like I said it's only like a minute of violence but it's just too much for me right now um but I think that the writing is really really good and the acting is really really good and she directs Um, some of the episodes she's an executive producer so I definitely feel like this is uh, something she cares very much about. here's what I'm going to tell you um, I think that if you want to learn more about her, about the show, about Russian Doll, I think that you should listen to the Dax Shepard 
um, yeah. podcast episode with her because she shares enough without sharing too much. Okay. Um, but it's very interesting. She really is a character. Like she is really a character like in real life. And I think that a good example of this, like if you, if you know anything about anything and you understand she dated Fred Armisen for 90 years, for nine years. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone Which I always who dates Fred Armisen so for weird. nine years has to be like a real character. Um, yeah. But so in this Dak Shepard episode, she like swishes, like she starts out talking like her character on Poker Face. And I'm like, is this just how Natasha Leon talks now? Like (laughs) what is going on here? And then she keeps like flopping in and out of it. And I'm like, she is a character like in real life. She is like constantly like changing and evolving and interesting. I get the impression that, so like the character in Russian Doll, the first mm-hmm. season I feel like that's very I think she's probably the life of the party I guarantee you she smokes cigarettes in real life every one of her characters yeah. in every movie has smoked cigarettes so I think she's like well she gonna, this needs to just be part of the character because it's so much part of her a really 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 bad drug problem oh I, I mean, could have guessed Matthew that. Perry oh. is a joke compared really? to the problems that. that she had I mean I really 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 bad mm-hmm. um like I think that at one point she had a collapsed lung had a kidney um a kidney replaced like I mean she was like died she died basically wow um I mean it was bad 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 and I think that she has been sober for a long time now um because she used to be part of that party group you know when like Tara Reed and um mm. Paris Hilton oh, she and was all those girls were going out. American Pie. She was I part always, of that. Group. I always hated that because it was such a bit part. She wasn't really known that well for being Natasha Leone at that time. So it wasn't like a cameo. And I felt like they just threw her this like crappy role in this big movie. And then I felt like I didn't see her again until Orange is the New Black. And then that was such a typecast character because of her role in But I'm a Cheerleader. She's like the you know, token lesbian girl. And uh, and then they brought back in Lori Petty, who was Tank Girl, and gave her this totally typecast character, too, as, like, this hardcore lesbian. Which is funny, because every time I think of Lori Petty, I just think of... Um, Point Break? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Every um, time. Like, that's all I can think of with Lori Petty. It's fascinating that, that those two characters existed in the same person. Um, but now, I don't know how she is in real life, but she was very butch- butchy type i don't yeah. even know if i'm allowed to say the b word anymore anyway. i don't think we're allowed to say anything <sighs> ever at all but that's kind of what i had the problem with orange is the new black as it progressed because i'm like oh my god you're picking stereotypes and you're just leaning into them to an extreme where it's like not entertaining anymore and i really was sad to see that i felt like that role for natasha leone was very limiting right okay. and so i can't oh so- i can't say i never watched that there's l- like nothing about that show that made me interested in any way I was interested in it because she was in it like there's certain you know if I did see something and like I'm gonna have to go watch this slums of Beverly Hills movie because she's one of those actresses where I'm like if she's in something and I see she's in it I will go watch it because I just want to see what she does and she does get these bit parts there's a couple of movies I've seen recently I'm like they just literally threw Natasha Leone some like three line bit part in this movie that's crazy I mean again I will say like I said I think we've talked about her enough right now. Um, but if you're interested, I do think that that uh, podcast episode, Armchair, shit, 
I don't remember the name of his armchair. I have it on something. my yeah armchair <laughs> experts know. or something. Yeah, that's it. But it's a it's a really good episode. Um, okay, I will. So I listen think it's to totally it. worth. And I don't think that you will learn so much about her. I think that the way she talks because she talks a lot about her roles and a lot about her history in that she doesn't talk that much about the drug stuff because she doesn't like to actually yeah, um that's good. so well a lot of people really like to because they think it's helpful to other people and they think it's helpful to them so i mean it was actually really interesting that she was like no i don't think you should talk about that like immediately and i'm wondering if it's because she spent so much time processing that through characters because like russian doll she was a total drug addict but anyway I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even say anything else. I would just listen to okay. that episode because she's going to tell it, you the answer to all those questions. And I will report have. back to yeah, you. She's going to tell you the answer okay. to all those questions that you have about how much she puts into those roles and all that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, they actually good. talk about that a lot. I want to, um, I want to know that. Okay. All right. right. Well, moving on. Let's take a break. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. All okay. right. We're back. Okay. What do you got up next for us, Kelly? Yes. Cause I feel like we've talked, we've talked enough about Natasha. Our everybody's favorite actor. You have. I um you can talk I about her like all day. I, I want to be friends with her. Like there's never another person, famous okay. person in the world more that I want to be friends with. So than I will her. say after How listening to that podcast, what I determined was that I one hundred percent definitely would never want to be friends with her. But I do find her really interesting. But like not yeah. overly so. Okay. I find her just enough interesting because you know, sometimes you can like take it a little, like I find I find Fred Armisen really interesting but he's also like a sex addict he's like a former you know he has like mm-hmm. all these issues like he was married for like a year and a half to this other woman who like I don't like him called him out I don't like, like his comedy I love I love every interview or podcast that I've ever like seen him on um wow. but again I was so upset all these when I saw they were dating so there is like yeah. absolutely nothing about like I would not in any way, shape, or form put her on a pedestal because she's just like a human person with like all sorts of issues. Yeah. But I think she's super fucking interesting, you know? Like I really yeah. find her like really intriguing. But I but again, I don't want to dig too deep. I know enough and now yeah. I'm good. You know what I mean? But okay. I but I love, right. you know, I love what she does. So anyway, um All right. Well moving wanna, right along. I wanted to tell you. Heather, because I, I yes. do think that in the past on this podcast, we've talked about like losing baby weight and how like yeah. shitty it is and you know, all that stuff, especially over 40. Yeah. Yeah. Which is weird. Cause like, why, why is it our metabolism? I mean, I had down. a baby, I had a baby at 25 and then I just got a gym membership and I just went to the gym mm-hmm. and worked out for like 45 minutes for like four days a week, which is not outrageous or anything. And I wasn't doing anything like intense or crazy. I was like walking on the treadmill for five minutes, doing some light weights. Like, mm-hmm. and I dropped a hundred pounds because I gained a hundred pounds with my first baby at 25. I dropped a hundred pounds in like six or seven months. And then I got pregnant at 39, gained like 60, 55, 60 pounds. And I, Three and a half years later, I'm like a little over halfway. 
So here's the thing though. I don't actually think that that had a lot to do. I don't actually think that that was your age. I think that society will tell you that that's your age, but I think it's actually a lot more to do with just every pregnancy is different. In fact, like when I was recently at my physical, the doctor was telling me about her two back-to-back pregnancies and they were completely different in like Mm. how she was able to lose the weight and how much she gained during the pregnancies and they were Mm -hmm. just like opposite each other and she's like probably 30 if that yeah um but so anyway so I like I went to the doctor I had cholesterol that was higher than normally is and I'm like what the f like I really genuinely don't know what to do you know like I think like I have no clue and she's like oh you know it's not that bad just you know like have a eat a low carb diet and exercise for 30 minutes a day and I'm like um that's my life like I told (laughs) her already yeah because they ask that I exercise for more than 45 minutes usually an hour every day yeah that's what I do like I've always done that exercise has always been a really big part of my life and I feel like she just didn't believe me you know because I feel like (laughs) I mean I so think that people a lot of people, well, I think a lot of people don't exercise and they're like, sure, I exercise every day. And mm-hmm. like I put on there because it said something like, how is your diet or something? And I just said, good. Because yeah. I'm like, what kind of question is, I don't, what do you, what's the question? What is the question? How, <laughs> how is your diet? How, I, bad. I don't, I it don't know. Bad. Like, like at I least really, have like multiple choice, like excellent well I don't know okay like I don't even understand what they're asking for there yeah you know and I figure if they have a question about it they'll ask during the thing but no doctors don't actually care so and then but I noticed in the notes of the of the appointment she put in um patient reports that diet is good in exclamation I'm like that bitch (laughs) And, and I mean, I think what's really upsetting about it too, is that like, you know, on a bad day, I would be like, well, she just looked at me and knew my diet wasn't good or that I didn't exercise. But then I'm like, no, actually that's just kind of all in my head because I have like a body dysmorphia and I actually look totally fine. This is just me trying to get back down to super thin, you know, like I was before. So it just really irritated me. But so I've decided, okay, well, I want to like completely change my diet because I have not been able to lose any of this baby weight. And everybody told, no, yeah. I didn't, I didn't gain that much when I was pregnant, yeah. um, actually, but I want to get back down to at least like something like I, you know, what I was before. Cause I just, I'm just one, one size away from being able to fit in my pre-pregnancy pants, even though I actually can fit now into a couple of pairs of jeans, but so I decided to start calorie counting again. I Which I know you this. hate. I hate it and I haven't done it in forever, but I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do it. Also, I had just listened to like five podcasts about, con- interestingly enough, about how calories in, calories out is total bullshit and doesn't even, it, it doesn't factor in so many things that it's just like not even relevant for most people. But I'm like, all right, I'm going to do this. We'll see what happens because- clearly exercising like an hour a day five to seven days a week doesn't work um yeah and you know whatever and yeah my body had started to totally kind of shift 
once I um, stopped nursing, because that's what the, that's what a doctor told me over the summer. She was like, as soon as you stop nursing, you'll lose all this weight. Well, that didn't happen. That's I lost, a lie. Like, I lost like two pounds. Again, that's one of those things that's like completely different. Some people lose tons of weight while they're nursing. Some people gain weight. Yeah. Um, it never worked for me. I thought I was going to lose weight both times. And yeah. I think some people gain a lot of weight and happen. I think I did too. Um, but yeah. So anyway, I did gain like two pounds. The biggest shift was that like my weight started to actually like normalize in my body so that it wasn't just like a big poofy belly. It wasn't like so yeah. hormonal, you know? Um, but I've started this calorie counting thing and I've actually lost, like I lost like three pounds in a week, like mm-hmm. really easily. Now, granted, I don't know if that will keep happening because I, that happened. And then I just came kind of stalled, but it's just really interesting because really I could, if I lost just like five pounds, I would be back in the zone of, you know, where I was. Yeah. Um, but, th- but that means a lot to me to be able to do that. So I really need to do that. But look, Heather, I'm starving all the freaking oh, time. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, 1200. Well, that's what Noom, remember last year I did Noom. Noom mm-hmm. is based on a 1200 calorie a day diet. What? You, you can earn more calories by working out, Yeah. but, sure. um, but it's not like crazy, you know? So yeah, I was like, there was rarely a day, like every day it was like, I would starve and then I'd be at like 1250. And I'm like, God, I can't. Yeah. Which is actually when I was listening to, I lost about 10 or 12 pounds through that. Were you able to keep it off? Yeah. Yeah. And then I took a break from the calorie counting and just tried to be a more Mm -hmm. mindful eater based on what I just learned and kind of been through. Um, and then I did another like very restrictive 1200 calorie a day diet. Like me and my husband both like buckled down and we like ate only vegetable soup and like really low calorie foods for like mm-hmm. two or three weeks. Uh, and then tried to like gradually start to bring other foods back in. And now we're eating normally again, but I dropped another like five pounds doing it that way. So it's like, I try to like go in because really it's not 1200 calories. You're right. Like, um, well- like I hired a personal trainer after this baby and mm-hmm. was working out like three to four days a week with a personal trainer, like just, just yelling at me, you know, not yelling, but you know what I mean? Like doing the Jillian Michaels thing, like really yeah. motivating me, really getting after me, really pushing me like so hard. I was so sore. I was taking my body to the limit for being, you know, 50, 60 pounds overweight. Um, but that only worked for so long. It really kind of comes down to that I got to commit. So like, I'll build myself up to, okay, I need to, I want to drop another five pounds. So I'm Mm -hmm. like, okay, I'll get my mind prepped that we're going to do probably a month of like very restrictive eating and, um, and then kind of gradually come back in and then try to maintain. That's the goal. Like, where can we be comfortable, Mm -hmm. but maintain this five pounds that we've lost and then stay there for a while. And then, okay, gear myself up again. And like slowly, but surely, like I get really down on myself sometimes because I'm like god I can't believe that I'm not back to my pre-pregnancy weight but I'm like Heather look at though how far you have come like how much weight you have lost and you've lost it the right way not by starving yourself or doing some diet pills or something crazy you know like the actual healthy way to lose weight probably for the first Mm -hmm. time in my life um and so I try to be happy with it and I think I told you this the other day like I'm just now getting to the point where I don't hate to see myself in pictures. I'm like, okay, 
that looks almost like me again. Like not mm -hmm. quite, but I'm almost yeah. like I can see myself there before there's like these pictures from when my baby was just born where I was like, Oh my God, it's literally like the before picture of a slim fast commercial. Like I yeah. feel so puffy and like, it's so unflattering and I'm wearing like a moo moo. I'm like, why? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, and I mean, you know, but it's good. Cause now I'm look where I, you know, look what I did achieve. Well, I mean, I will say too, to be fair. So my, this, the cow, I'm just ca counting my calories. It's not really that restrictive. I'm eating like yeah. 14, 1500 a day or something like that. Um, yeah. and I haven't changed, I haven't changed my diet necessarily that much. Mm -hmm. I am trying to eat, add in more vegetables. Really? I've just been eating tacos every day. Um, <laughs> I love it. Be perfectly honest. Diet. Like I'm just eating tacos, but like I haven't, the biggest change that I've made, um, is that I'm not mindless eating anymore. Yeah. So I was yeah. doing a lot of mindless, like snacking, you know, mm -hmm. at night or whatever. Um, and so that's really the biggest thing. So to be honest, like I actually, I'm not starving all the time now only because my body's now adjusted kind of back yeah. to not eating that way because I kind of only started eating that way because I had a little baby and I didn't have time to make food all the time and, you know, do all this stuff. So yeah. I'm kind of adjusting back. And I too, am just trying to get to a place where I'm enough in the zone of my, what I consider normal weight yeah. that then I don't have to worry about calorie counting anymore. Cause usually once my body is a weight for like a couple of weeks straight. It doesn't shift that much once I'm like in a place, you know, in a yeah, yeah, stalemate or whatever. So that's where I'm just trying to get back to. Um, and in the past, calorie counting hasn't actually worked for me unless yeah. I just don't eat. Like don't yeah. eating works for not eating works for me, you know. <laughs> like <laughs> I've always known <laughs> I could easily drop this pregnancy, mm -hmm. this baby weight, if I just started eating nothing, you know? Yeah. Um, but I just refuse to do that. And I don't have the energy. Now, one thing I will say is that not eating those extra calories that I was eating and it's not at meals, it's never at meals. It's the snacking, mm -hmm. um, not eating those. When I was eating those, that extra stuff, I could, hardcore exercise. I had the energy yeah. to do it. I do not yeah. anymore. So now yeah. I am really kind of phoning it in with my exercising. Um, but I feel like once I get back to that man maintaining phase, then I'll be able to stop phoning it in and I'll just be able to normalize and, and, you know, whatever. So we'll see if this actually works. If it doesn't work, then I'm going to assume it's hormonal and I'm not even going to care about it anymore because it is what it is. Um, yeah. Absolutely. But it's very interesting because again, it just, it always feels so old school to me because, you know, I haven't like, I started yeah. calorie counting like 20 years ago and then oh, I've sure. done it like just randomly off and on. And I always hate it. And I always stop it after a couple of weeks and now I'm too. Oh weeks yeah. In, no, so I hate to see, we'll see what things are, you know, well, and it's frustrating I like when you eat one thing, like you have one extra thing one day, like say yeah. you eat pizza one day and then you're like, well, I guess I just won't be able to eat for the rest of the day yeah, or the yeah. rest of the week. Cause that's it. <laughs> that's oh yeah. No, for sure. For it's sure. so frustrating, but you know, I don't know. It's really, it's interesting to see 
And again, I'll see what, what happens. So I want to tell you something else and then we'll get onto our like big thing that we're actually talking about. I'm using this app right now that it's called the um detector and it detects words and tells you like how many times you say them. So the ones that I have on here right now, you can put like a custom word in, but the ones that are on here are like, right, um, and you know, (laughs) Heather right now. And I'm not even, I'm wearing headphones, so it's not picking up on you, just me. I have 110 likes so far. Is that a podcast? Just since we started this podcast, nine, well, since we started talking, so we were talking for a few minutes before the podcast, but yeah, 35, you knows, (laughs) 22 ohms and nine rights. Well, I just added another ohm. So, um, but, and another, what the F? Okay. So what I I really, what I like about this app is that it makes me super mindful and I almost only use it like when we do podcasts because I want to be really mindful of that but it's also really good if you're doing like a work meeting or yeah like yeah. A, like on a and you'd on be a, um, amazed interview. How, how many ums if there's a chance for me to take an um or a so and um like when I'm editing <laughs> There are so many of these, like if I can grab them and they don't mess up the flow, I'll try to take them out because it can be very distracting. Uh, and I know when I'm listening to podcasts, I'm like, oh my gosh, this person's saying um so much. So I hate an um. I am not a typical um sayer. Yeah. But I say like all the time since we were kids. You say so like. I always say, you know. And mm-hmm. I will say, you know, explaining why I don't like saying, you know, I say it oh, yeah. all the time. And so it's, and it's, I want to say this, watching that trial, the Murdoch trial that we did our podcast on last week. It's such a South Carolina thing. Lawyers and judge, like I usually think of lawyers as having a refined speech when they're going in front, you know, to try to talk cleanly. But the amount of times all the lawyers, all the witnesses, I think it's like really a South Carolina thing. It, like I disagree talk. completely because I've met so many people who do it. Uh, another thing that I've, that I've noticed, so I was reading this, like I have a reading challenge that I've been doing. I'm like, I'm like really hardcore, you know? Um, um, <laughs> so like reading? No. I am paying a lot of attention to how much I'm reading this year. So I'm nice all on top of it. I want to read all the books. And I just read two books by the same woman in a row. And in both of these books, she'll say, uh, like, what does she say? What's the thing that she says? She says, yeah, at the end of it. So mm-hmm. it'll be, oh, so you want to go to the store? Yeah. You know, and she says it all the time. I love it. And I just think it's funny because these are different characters and she's writing in a book and it's being edited. So she must really want to say that thing. And I've heard people say that before, but it's, but that's usually more of a British thing, I think, or, mm. you know, I don't think that's, and she's not British. So it's really interesting mm. because I've also tried to pick up on things that I actually, and we've told the story on the podcast before about how we started saying, like, uh, I don't even know if you remember, but I, we were, you and I were at the fair behind these mm-hmm. two like Valley girls. Yeah. Who were like, 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 and then you and I started saying it like ironically, you know, we were being funny. 
and then that and that's now you know, 30 years later story. and I remember your grandfather noticing oh, I that we were saying lectured. I got lectured so much by my grandfather he would say now Heather adding the words like and you know to sentences doesn't add anything to what you're saying <laughs> I'd be like, so, I can't stop it I but I really got that lecture either. so many times I don't actually it doesn't bother me to be perfectly honest when I say it or when other people ums do bother me yeah but other things only because to me an um sounds like you don't know what you're saying it makes you Mm -hmm. sound to me not very confident or doubtful of yourself and so I when I hear people say it especially when someone asks you a question and it's um um you know I just can't, I can't handle it. The other things don't really bother me that much, but I am completely and fully aware of how often I do say them. Sometimes I am more mindful than others because I do try, like I am looking at this Heather and it is just, I'll show it to you. It like lights up red when you say things. Oh Oh, my gosh. Now I will just say that it like, like, yeah, here we go. Like, 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 oh my God. So sometimes I'm really mindful of it. And then I get, it starts to trip me up. When people are talking to me, Mm -hmm. I make a conscious effort to nod and throw in, and this is at work or in the podcast or anything. I go, you know, "Mm," or, oh Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, I'm constantly trying to acknowledge that I am hearing, I'm understanding, um, not interrupt you, but just let give you those cues, verbal cues that I'm still here with you. Yeah, because and that's I, what it is. It's a, are you hearing me? So, you hear if, me? so, and husbands are great at this. Like I, so like this is a conversation I have all the time with my husband. So I will make a statement to me. I have prompted, like we're just sitting there in bed. We've been doing nothing. We're looking at our phones, watching TV, whatever. And so I make a statement of like something interesting and then just nothing. And I'm like, yep. hello. Yep. And he's like, hi you made a statement like what do you want me to say to that I'm like well that was a conversation starter I gave an opinion on something and now you would respond with like oh that's interesting or I have an opinion on that too but he doesn't he just is like well you didn't ask a question so I didn't know I needed to answer you well what's funny about that god we are so going off on a tangent that has nothing to do with what we're supposed to be talking about but it's still interesting and relatable Right. <laughs> but that's why the you know comes at the end of a statement. That's because why I say you're it. telling the person, like, okay, since they aren't competent enough to understand that this is how we conversate. Yes. Then you that, but I mean, I'm fully aware there. that that is why I say it. I don't say it because it's a mindless thing. In the mm-hmm. same way that I often say, like, because I mean like it's it is adding mm-hmm. to what I'm saying but I just say it too often yeah. um like well and when it gets used like um when like yes. becomes um and I do say it like that but a lot of times I, I will really, say it if I'm, if I'm telling you a conversation I really want to say and then she was like oh no you didn't yes. and then I was like oh yes I did like that's so much nicer and fun more fun than saying and then she said and then I yes. said and then she said like, and, but it's when you say it like that and where it makes sense and it fits 
But when you say it like that, then it becomes a habit. And then you're saying it all the time. But to me, again, just like you said, I'd much rather say like than to have to throw in like three words, you know, like, and I just said like, and you know, at the same time, but (laughs) I meant it because I wanted you to understand. I wanted you to agree with me or say like what I was saying. So Okay. We've been talking a lot about about speech and linguistics lately. That's interesting that we're. It's something I think about all the time. You know, what's actually very interesting is I just recently uh, found a short story that my dad wrote in 1984. And I just started reading it. So, I mean, I suck. I read, I will say that I've read like a novel that my dad wrote before and it was really hard to get through because it's just not my kind of thing. It's actually your kind of thing because it's like mystery thriller kind of stuff and like, you know, legal stuff and you know, all that. Okay. It's just not really my kind of thing. So it takes me a little bit longer. But this one and this one too, it was just, I keep picking it up when I'm about to go do something else. And it's not even really that long, but I'm paying a lot of attention to the way that he said things and Mm -hmm. trying to pick up on his state of mind when he wrote it based on how the characters are written. And so I pay, I've been paying lots of attention to words and how they're used and punctuations and all of that. And I've always been interested in that sort of thing. But I think, you know, when you're trying to figure out a person in the same way that that girl writes the things, and I shouldn't say girl, I should say woman, because that's what's politically correct. She's probably not a girl. She is probably a full-fledged aged woman. Um, (laughs) You know? Yeah, right? Like, uh, so, yeah. 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 I just think it's interesting that she she says these things because I do notice it when people have certain things that they say. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's one of those things where sometimes it's charming and you find it interesting and then you start to well, hate like, that in a person. The British have in it, which I love. And I love I when really you heard that. in it. I don't it. really have friends that I don't really have British well, friends that say it's that. It's like instead of saying isn't it, it's kind of mm, like oh, saying, oh, you know, oh, you oh, end oh, a sentence oh. with isn't it? But you they also that to in it. People from Alabama. Really? So uh, we I watch a lot of like British television, mm-hmm. like the Great British Baking Show. And if you watch it with yes. the captions on, it actually says in it, I-N-N-I-T. Oh my God, my husband I watches everything with the captions, captions on. And I, I, it, I can I tell can, you. I cannot auditorily process information. Here's I what have I can tell you. It. If my husband and I get divorced, it is because <laughs> I woke up one morning and it's the final morning that I can wake up and take the captions being still on the TV. Oh my God, Kelly. <laughs> we we always watch. So I will say that, uh, and this will be leading into the next thing. If I'm watching stand-up comedy, you have to take them off because it tells you the punchline. Oh. Like, so like when they just start telling the joke, the sentence, the whole phrase comes up so it gives you the punchline and actually ruins the whole joke because wow. you can just read it there yeah. but i re- yeah no i so that was a great to, segue i used to well let me just say here real quick like i used to also be annoyed by people with the captions but as i've gotten older i realized that i'm not picking up of uh, words there's like a lot i was missing in shows and so I started watching with the captions on and I started realizing how much information I was losing Mm. 
by not seeing it. So, so if I'm watching thing, something though, where I want to, I want to, I want to know what's happening, I have to have the captions on. I once took a film class with this guy who was like a producer on like major, major, major shows and stuff. And we had a whole class one time about how unfortunately when you watch foreign films and it's so funny because you know when you're especially when you're in college I wasn't in college at the time I was an adult but when you're in college watching foreign films is like the cool thing to do and you want to date people who watch foreign films and you want to wear your glasses and be all stupid and watch foreign shit together so <laughs> so he was talking about how when you do watch foreign films it's almost you're losing so much of the movie oh yeah because you're losing the whole cinematic like vibe of the movie so you're missing you may be picking up on words that you didn't pick up on before but you're sure as hell losing a big portion of the whole point of the thing yeah oh and then like a step further like i have a no overdubbed and screw you netflix for making this so mainstream like They've taken so many foreign movies and brought them in uh, on the Netflix platform with like automatic overdubbing in English. And my husband will be watching something and I will look up like, what was that money heist? Such a good show. But I'm like, there's no way I can deal with the fact that there's like some American sitting there recording their voice over. And they also change the words even more Hmm. to try to fit with their lips. So I've never seen this. If you watch something with an overdub in English and English subtitles, they will say like completely different things because it's like, as long as you get the general point across, it's more like, but we all know that the, like making the lips try to line up does not convince, it's so bad. It makes my skin crawl. I have yeah, I just can't watch that at all. overdubbed shows. I'm like, we're going to watch it great we have to watch it with at least the subtitles on so at least we're hearing the original voices Mm -hmm. and intonation like so much about speech and and the culture of a particular language Mm -hmm. is about how you intonate it right like when i took japanese like you can't just say like um a japanese word like monotone right it's all about the inflection like I love to hear Japanese people talk because they're like up and down and like it's very intense and it's like it very you're you're going on a journey with them and I'm very much here for it. But uh, a lot of what you're doing in Japanese is about how to try to say it correctly so that you don't sound like a stupid American if you were to go over there and say you know konnichiwa, yeah. like it's konnichiwa, <laughs> right? There's all this like feeling to it. Whereas, so. which is really funny because I when people who don't speak a language uh how do i want to say this are you about to insult every well, person i'm just, try- I'm just trying language. to say if you're not like a a native speaker um sure. like if you didn't grow up speaking the language and then you speak it and you use all of those intonations and you i get sounds so stupid to me it sounds i'm like i know you're just american mm. Like, who are we fooling here? Like, <laughs> well, and I have that like so battle because it's like, oh, we'll go out to sushi or something. And I'm like, when I go to order my vegetable tempura. Oh, no, you don't. Oh, no. Who oh, am no. I supposed to? But that's my battle, Kelly. I'm like, am I supposed to just go, I would like the vegetable tempura, please? Or yes, because I are. know better? 
podcast. Yeah. I'm supposed to say it correctly. Yeah, you are. I'm not. So I'm, I'm not. To say it both ways. Just I don't like, ever eat feel better. You know what I mean? <laughs> like ever. Well, and then it's like if you go to the Mexican restaurant, are you supposed to tell them gracias? No, no, one hundred thousand percent no. And when I even hear people canceled. do this, it just like cracks me up. I'm like, what are you doing? You sound so stupid. Well, and I don't speak Spanish, so I've never been. Um, I will tell you to do that. But I'm the so Japanese restaurant, I'm like, I know the right things to say, and I just don't know if I should say them. I will tell you 100%. I just started back on Duolingo. Mm. And so I have like several languages on there that like I've started and picked up on, you know, I just go back or whatever. Well, usually when I get back on there after a while, I have to go all the way back to the beginning because, you know, I've forgotten everything. Oh well, yeah. I recently, like a couple of weeks ago, started learning Spanish again and I'm like way into it, you know, cause I've been doing it for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And Heather flew in in Spanish. Yeah. I mean, how did this happen? Like, I mean, I will tell you. Fluent in Spanish since we were like in high school. I remember like listening. I remember being in my car in the Kmart parking lot and I was turning on some (laughs) radio channel and it was a Spanish song. And I'm like, Kelly, oh my God, what are they saying? And you literally deciphered over half of it. And I was like, but I mean, this is my friend right here. She speaks Spanish. I I learned a lot of, I mean, I took Spanish for like eight years in school. And then I lived in Southern California and had a lot of friends who spoke Spanish, but then I kind of just like forgot everything, you know? So when I was going back on Duolingo, well, that's what I always thought, but I really just, it was always hard for me to pick back up. I'm not like a good language person. I think it's like some dyslexic thing. I just can't handle it. Me either. But then when I've started back on it, I'm, I'm really shocked by how, I mean, I'm just like breezing through these these uh lessons and I'm like how do I know this stuff and I guess it really is just a thing that like mm-hmm. finally after all these years it's in my head but I would never like I don't think I'm a good Spanish speaker like at all and it's one of those things where like I feel dumb doing it but I can understand a lot of it you yeah. know I can read in reading especially like I can understand it oh yeah um but I think and that's I think like you- languages in general my whole thing is like so I you took Spanish in school and I took French and then I've gone I on in French like, too. Yeah, and I've taken um I've done like Duolingo French and I've taken French doing like adult type stuff and trying and I just really feel like if I just went to France for like ten days mm-hmm. yeah. and I did like a little practice with the Duolingo or whatever for a couple weeks or a month before I went, I feel like because it's so deep inside me. That if I was actually surrounded by French people, I would, like, by day three, I feel like I would be understanding a majority. Now, could yeah. I speak it? Like, what you're saying? Probably not. But I feel very uncomfortable, you know, because French is so much about pronunciation mm-hmm. and croissant, right? Like, and it sounds silly stupid? to me. Like, French sounds yeah. silly in a way, and I don't want to diss on French people because it's actually a really beautiful language, but... But yeah, I mean, I would feel really, I always felt stupid speaking. I think the French would agree that Americans sound stupid speaking it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I think that goes for most languages. But again, like I, you know, I just think, 
I don't know. I find language is really interesting. And I was actually speaking to a friend of mine recently and she was talking about like how annoyed she is by languages and she actually hates like, I mean, she knows several languages. Like she grew up speaking Spanish and English and, you know, all of these things. And she's like, I actually know like quite a few languages because she knows so many different types of Spanish. Um, yeah. She's like, I just think it's annoying. I don't like accents. I don't like people. And I'm like, wow, that's so different. Like, I think languages are so interesting. And if I, I, if I could, I would learn all of them. Yeah. Um, just because it's me so too. fascinating to me. And I just, I recently started trying to le- learn Hebrew. And because mm. I really want to learn, I don't know, I th- it fascinates me adults as an adult. I think it's easier when you're a kid, obviously. But I think it's really fascinating to learn something with like a totally different alphabet. Mm-hmm. And, Oh my god that's why i like japanese it's like i was impossible. like i was like this french and spanish this is just too elementary for me i need something with all different letters and it's word just, systems it's so my now it might be a thing that i can pick back up again later but like i was just i just got everything wrong over and over and over again and i'm just like you know what i'm going to go back to spanish because i can't even i can't handle yeah. this this is too much and i i also like was learning irish cuz i learned a bit of irish before we went to oh, ireland yeah. a few years ago Which and so i went exciting. back to that and i can't remember almost like anything from it cuz it is a lot different it's like a totally different ball game too yeah. um anyway you know what we need to move on All right. Well, moving right along, I did have something I needed to talk about this week because I feel like it's our responsibility since we did do an episode a year ago. Oh my gosh, was it that long ago? Topic. Well, it was the Oscars. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's been a year. So we did a whole episode talking about the incident with Will Smith slapping Chris Rock at the Oscars and I know and partially just because I'm very nosy but also because I have a job as a victim advocate I always want to hear like what was the feeling of the person that was harmed right I really wanted to hear what Chris Rock had to say and so I've been waiting patiently and I think at some point Chris Rock sort of made it clear that he would address this in his own way it was not going Mm -hmm. to be on will smith's terms like as in he's not going to meet will smith for an interview he's not going to go to the oprah show like he will do this and by all means i would also say capitalize on it the most because you know when he put out this stand-up special on netflix everybody went to see it to see what he was going to say about will smith he could have said anything for an for 45 minutes he could have been like hippity hoopla right for 45 minutes and people would have sat there and been like when's he going to talk about will smith we know it's coming yeah right i will say he made one off-color transgender joke that i did not appreciate chris rock please stop okay yeah but moving right along uh I also sort of sat through this, like, because I was like, oh, this has some funny moments. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know he's going to talk about Will Smith because I'd already seen it from, like, news outlets being reported that, yep, he addresses and I have been, I tried to stay dark on it because I wanted to just watch it and get my own pure reaction. Like, how okay. does it feel to hear him tell his side of the story? And I will say right off the bat, that's about what I would have expected. I think 
it makes total sense why that's his reaction and way of dealing with this. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So you said you listened to like a podcast. I only on listen. It. So I listened to the TMZ podcast, which I told you I've been listening right. to, um, <laughs> which is just how I'm getting my entertainment news. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was really actually kind of interesting because I listened, there were, for some reason, there were two separate TMZ podcasts about it with two different wow. people. Because it's that big a deal. <laughs> and they were both only like 15 minutes long. But one of them was with Harvey Levin, who's like the main TMZ guy, um, who, I, I don't know. So it was really interesting because the two, and maybe this is why there were two, they had completely different opinions about it, completely oh, wow. different opinions about it. And they played just a blurb of what he said, like the part about um, Jada having an affair and then talking about it all over her podcast, which, you know, I mean... I will say that when this happened a year ago, mm-hmm. I kind of got, I had the same reaction that Chris Rock had, you know, about like it not really being about him and, yeah. be, you know, whatever. Yeah. So I, so, but here's the thing, like, I haven't actually thought that much about it since then. At the time mm-hmm. I had like a, a knee jerk reaction to it because, um, that's not the kind of thing that I see on TV on a regular basis. And I don't see it in my personal life on a regular basis. I don't, I don't, I, you know, I, I guess I'm lucky, but like, I don't, (laughs) I don't live in a world where people are just going around slapping people all the time. Thank God. Um, I know that lots of people do live in that world. I am fully aware of that. Uh, so it was just really shocking to me. And, um, if under lots of other circumstances that's like a crime that's assault you know yeah uh and you know there were and now I kind of don't really have an opinion about it um yeah. other than please don't do that on a tv <laughs> show like live where I, like my kid might be watching kind of thing um but my yeah. kid's not watching the the word show so you know do whatever you want I guess people but um <laughs> you know you do you if you need to beat the shit out of each other I whatever you work that out um but I thought it was interesting that like the opinions that were so different on the TMZ thing were also the same very different opinions that you know we and people we knew had about it mm. a year ago you know like there yeah. were there's a whole sect of people that feel like Chris Rock has, and I don't want to, I I guess I don't, there's a, I don't even really want to have an opinion about like Chris Rock or anything. Cause I just actually don't know that much about him lately. I know that he's problematic in a lot of ways in his own ways, you know? So like, I don't really want to, whatever, but, yeah. that, but, you know, he has a porn addiction and his wife he's divorced him his, There's it. a lot of stuff, but you know what? We all he's have things. Some problematic things about women and then I he made he an off-color of... transgender joke i think at the same time he is self-deprecating enough at it that he lets us know that he's not unaware that yeah. he's not a good he's not a, he's not like the ideal like guy but more like i'm going to be just honest about who i am and i can and like i said i think he was like i could say anything i want for 45 minutes I can tell you anything I want to tell you Mm -hmm. and you're going to listen to it because you know what I'm going to say in the last 15 minutes um and I think he got some things off his chest now were those things that resonated 
for me, maybe not as much, but I was definitely there because I wanted to hear what his response, what his actual thoughts were. Here's you what know? I will say. And he too, gave it to us. Is that like a lot of people don't, and maybe this is even me at points in my in my life. And this isn't even about Chris Rock because again, I don't even know much about him right now. Yeah. Um, I have at various points in my life, but definitely not right now. I just don't know anything about him or, or com- his comedy or any of that. But I will say that a lot of comedians are observational comedians. Yeah. That's what they sure. talk about things That's that they see. That's probably my favorite part of comedy. Same. Same, right? And, and, and hopefully they connect with things we all see and just haven't been able to put into words or yes. connect like why it was so funny. Yeah, totally. Sure. Whatever. The point, though, is that it's not when someone is, is observing and then talking about and saying funny things or ironic things about what they're observing, um, be it racist, homophobic, whatever's happening, because you know what? most people are racist and homophobic and that's life that's what we see you know even if you point, don't want to be it's hard yeah it's just we this it. is how we grew up and you know yeah. th- you know some people try harder than others not to be that but what is not that because i don't know a single person who is not that in some way i don't yeah. know a single person who doesn't have some sort of bias against people you know and i was just thinking the, i was thinking even, in the shower even just implicit like because well, i mean you got implicit bias where you can't even control it you can't even consciously you know it's like control it we can talk about and again i'm just talking i'm not having an opinion <laughs> we can talk about black people hating white people and white people hating black people, but those two groups also hate Asian people and Hispanic people, and those groups hate those groups back. We all have problems with people and things that are different from us, and it's happened since the beginning of forever. So I don't know what it looks like to not have that. So I don't know a single person who doesn't have that in any way. I know lots of people who are trying really hard not to have that. Yeah. And then it doesn't exist. Not having it at all doesn't exist. So anyway, yeah. but my point is, my point, like back to this observational comedy, is that, you know, a lot of times it's, the comedians are not grandstanding and saying, I'm a perfect human. And you all think these things. They are literally just observing and telling Mm -hmm. you what they've observed and noting that isn't it hypocritical, hilarious, ironic, funny, whatever, because that's what they're like. That's the job. You know what I mean? Like that's not, they're not, or they're talking about themselves. They're talking about how screwed up they are. Mm-hmm. And telling you about it and, you know, acting like it's, you know, the world, because a lot of people are the same and can relate. And that's yeah, why we and like they're, it. Yeah, they're, they're betting on that enough people have this same quirk yeah. or, you know, whatever idiosyncrasy that, because uh, that's my favorite part of comedy when somebody puts something into words of like, and I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah. I totally do that. Oh my but God. I mean, even, yeah. I feel like that all the time. You know, that's, yeah. I'm, I, I like very few comedians, but the comedians yeah. I like are that. And I mean, that's even the thing where, you know, he talks about, or a lot of, oh God, I don't even know because I haven't watched it. <laughs> a lot of people have talked about how Will Smith laughed at Chris Rock's joke yeah. and then it turned different, you know, but the thing is, is that you can laugh 
at a joke that's at your own expense or that makes you look bad or that whatever. And then in the same thought, in the same sentence in your head, go, wow, that's fucked up. It's Mm -hmm. fucked up that I think that it's fucked up that I laughed at that. You know what I mean? Like, because Mm -hmm. we're, we're freaking like, we contain multitudes, you know, like we're not, everything is not black and white. Like I get really frustrated when things are one way or the other way. Cause it's not like the world is gray. Like the world is not black and white. And so it's just really interesting how like a lot of people, so there's the camp that's like, no, Chris Rock had this coming for to him because he has said he he and Jada and Will hate each other and they've had this beef for years and Chris Rock has said all this thing about all these things about them for years and Chris Rock hates black women not my opinion I'm just saying what these people are saying I don't know (laughs) I have no idea um but like you know and he's always hated black women he's talking about you know black women and he always talks about black women's appearance and blah 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 and then there's the other camp that's like this was assault and it doesn't yeah. really matter what he says <laughs> the problem is that there the assault happened and yeah. you know he can process it however he wants to will smith you know and what he and saying, it wasn't just an assault this was not a bar fight yes. and i think chris rock really hammers on like the venue like the moment that he felt that he was entitled enough to get out and he's like and will smith's a much bigger guy than i am Mm -hmm. you know and he goes down that path a little bit on it and he's like and that he had to i mean like thought about it got out of his seat took multiple steps and this is what a lot of people were saying i don't think he said anything revolutionary that's why when i you know, open this up. I'm like, I think he said what I thought he was going to say. The same yeah. thing we all kind of said. Like, this guy got out of his seat, stands, you know, four inches taller, and, you know, probably got some muscles over Chris Rock. At least that's what mm-hmm. he sort of indicated. Like, I'm not as buff as Will Smith. Because uh, he's like, you know, people are like, why didn't I hit back? And he's like, I can't win a fight with that guy. Like, yeah. you got, well, because he literally put his hands behind his back which to me i remember when i first saw that i was like he knew this was coming but there also is a school of thought uh that if someone is hitting you and they're totally in the wrong that you just instinctually put your hands behind your back as i am not fighting yeah i am not throwing hands like he was giving every indication to will smith you can stop at any moment you don't have to do this i'm not gonna push you i'm not gonna well, defend myself and i think he was shocked like the rest yeah. of us were it, because you shocked. don't go yeah. to work because that's what this is they're going to work and you can say all you want to about they had beef for years they had blah, 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 blah. but you know what these award shows this is what it is it's roasting and yeah. you know what i think that's dumb i really think it's dumb and i hate it and i think it's yeah. embarrassing i don't think it's cool and you know what normal workplaces have these kind of roasting things at conferences and stuff like that yeah. and i don't think it's cool i don't think it's cool at all but no one would watch them if there wasn't some comedic aspect to it because yeah. this is actually a thing that is very very important to the people involved but not actually important to people to other people in the world the only reason that people watch these shows really especially now that we know how rigged all of the results are is to see people dress up and whatever and it's just not that interesting anymore and i don't used to be well but it used to be unless somebody gets hit and then i'm gonna and then i watched 
I don't watch them either, but I always used to, but it used to be, yeah. you oh, watched when we were them. Kids, it was big, right? It was, well, it's big because it was like pre-pop, pre-major paparazzi. So the only times you would see your celeb, like the people that you really liked in movies outside of the movies was at award shows like this. And you kind of saw them like let loose a little bit and be themselves, which was not normal. Well, now you see them like doing coke and on the street you know i mean like they're you see you've seen everybody do everything and nothing is shocking or interesting anymore so it's just not interesting to anybody but the people there so you know they do these roasting things and it's like some most of it hits below the belt like most of it is really just mean you know yeah, and yeah. i think they pick people Comedy specifically attacking yourself or attacking somebody else yeah. i and prefer comedy that attacks yourself when the, yeah when yeah. you're attacking yourself and, and sort of doing this self-deprecating thing mm -hmm. and while I can be entertained about people being attacking others it, as I've gotten older that's gotten harder and harder yeah. to laugh at and so like for example I said this transgender so Chris Rock says I'm cool with transgender because you know if my you know guy friend becomes a girl or whatever and then makes some football reference about well he's you know still going to she or whatever still can like understand football things and i'm like ah that's gender stereotyping the thing though it's is not that like, thing, like that's not funny you're just not, attacked uh people for a laugh and i don't i don't appreciate that. yeah i mean that makes sense to me but he's probably saying what is true to him and what you know what i mean like and it's true to a lot of people heather you know what just is like a lot of people feel this way and it's but lots of guys don't like football yeah and probably if you're a guy i completely agree with you but I, but I heather maybe you don't like football and then if you do transition maybe you don't want to do football anymore maybe you do like but I'm saying, heather but it's not an automatic that you're like a football you're analyzing no. it too much you're not supposed yeah. to think that much about comedy you're supposed to have a gut reaction you either laugh <laughs> or you don't laugh you're not supposed to go home analyzing it it's supposed to yeah. take your mind off of the real world it's supposed to take your mind off of like having to think about everything constantly you're not supposed to have to it's not a fucking history lesson you know what i mean so now i'm not again i'm not like I didn't actually even just listen to the bit that you just said. I was thinking about what I was going to say in the future, which is a, a trait that I don't like in other people, <laughs> but that's what I was doing. Cause I'm trying that's to get through this goes. podcast, but I will say, I haven't watched the special. I probably won't. Cause I just don't, I don't like male comedians at all, you know? So I probably won't. There are some that I have liked, but I will say like, I just, it's it should if comedy becomes a thing where you can't laugh about things even problems that we all have then we have a real that that's a real problem yeah, um yeah. and again like you just said if it's a thing where you're actually just insulting someone you know then whatever but I again I I haven't watched it I don't know what he's insulting or who he's insulting I will say though that it's gender not... stereotypes are a thing that everyone can relate to because we have watched them read them heard them our entire so I'm saying, lives like, maybe them make a more elevated joke I don't know that it was such a tired joke 
it was yeah. such a well, like I, I understand here's my that. transgender joke with some gender stereotyping I understand okay that. and moving on and um, I'm like I mean, why why to be perfectly honest there? I who, don't even understand why people this? are talking about transgender in comedy anymore I, that's you know why what I, mean? I would like, think after all. Dave Chappelle any comedian especially a black male comedian is like you know what I don't have to there's not like a a thing in my contract that says make a off-color transgender joke like just mm -hmm. stop like the transgender well, community is feeling so attacked and i know this because i live in the home with yeah. a transgender person so i mean i'm just saying like i hear everything through that filter and i know that joke would have not been well, okay the reason i say it i feel like we all have our opinions about how we feel yeah. about that if if cornered and asked and we need to say something otherwise yeah. why is it it's so not relevant in my life yeah you know, it, it, personally, for me personally, as a person in the sense that now I'm not saying I don't care about transgender people or that, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is it is not the same kind of thing as being able to talk about like men and women. And I honestly still find, I am, I find men and women talking about men and women in comedy boring now. Cause I'm just like, I've heard this so yeah, many times. Yeah. I know I get it. Can you just talk about someone you met on the subway or something? Cause like, this is not funny anymore. You know? Yeah. So, so, I mean, I just, I feel like the transgender thing is not funny in comedy and the, the people who keep bringing it up because it's not a thing that everyone can relate to. And everybody has feelings and then there's some people that have such strong feelings it's right. just not this is not the right time no to, we're like to way even too, no. dabble in the waters just just talk about something yeah. else and let's give society and people a chance to let's catch up to how space. they feel about this yeah. um because i think the problem and i'll just throw this out there because i don't want to get off on this tangent about mm -hmm. transgender but i think the problem is that in movies television comedy transgender has always been the butt of the joke like they need a break from that role and they need to be like taken seriously for a while and then mm -hmm. maybe we can circle back and it can be funny again but but really they've not been portrayed in a way at least that i've had shared yeah. with me from people in the community they have not um been represented in a way in the media that to them gives them positive role models they always yeah, feel like they agree. were the joke and so i think comedians need to take a step back and stop trying to make jokes about them because i think right now they that community needs to find itself and and where well, it gets to fit in, in the world now that the world is going to for the most part more than ever openly accept them but again that's just one of those things where all right in my life I have met all sorts of races of people, ethnicities. I've met, you know, men, yeah. women, I've, I've dealt with whatever, but not everyone is communicating on a regular daily basis with a transgender person. So yeah. if you are not, and you are not transgender, why are you taught them? Like, you're only supposed to talk in comedy. This is just like my random opinion that I yeah. just came up with. About, about what you know. know about yeah that's no i think point. you didn't just come up with that so I think you that's, can't just you can't that's just what randomly every, start talking that's shit what every, because like you said it's a token joke a token joke yeah every movie about a comedian's struggle to success start you know has that comment yeah. in it of like talk about what you 
no. And that's always like the breakout moment that most comedians talk about, like when yes. they start to really talk about what they know. So you're right. And I think Dave Chappelle like dug a hole in his last special. He's like, hey, I know a transgender person and I'm going to end my whole show on this big emotional appeal that she committed suicide. And I'm like, whoa, buddy. Okay. Okay. Like I see what you're trying to do here, but they already hate you. Like you're yeah. not going to win. And I know because i live in the home with someone who's very much got their finger on the pulse, right? Mm -hmm. Of what that community is thinking. And it just, with the backlash was harsh and immediate. They didn't even listen. And I tried to explain, like, look, I watched the special. I'm trying to tell you that's not what he was trying to say. They're taking that out of context. But I'm like, at this point, it doesn't matter. Just stop talking about it, Dave Chappelle. Yeah. You are not going to win them over. All you could do is just stop talking about it. Okay. So we need to calm down for a minute because we're way off topic. We yes. need to, to circle back and kind of wind <laughs> this up and, okay. and talk about, tell me if, is there anything else that you would like to say about this Chris Rock, Will Smith thing? Yes. I think my main takeaway was that Chris Rock did a good job of explaining that Will Smith, his perception is that Will Smith was feeling very beat up mm. by his wife, the the red table talk show, the media, you know, he, he said, I did everybody. really appreciate that he said on there. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I hope you don't lose your train of thought. What I really liked that he did say was normally I wouldn't talk about this stuff, but they put it out there. It's yeah. out there. They put it on her on her show. Yeah. Why would you do that? Yeah. And you know, I have thought the same thing. I feel the same way. I feel like if you don't want everyone to have an opinion about this, shut up. This yeah. is not the kind Deal of with thing. It privately. If this happened in my household, I sure as fuck wouldn't be talking about it on this podcast. You know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. there is no way because I don't want everyone's opinion on it. So I just, I, that, that happens a lot with people who are oversharers and then they get all offended by it. And you know what? Everybody has the right to have whatever opinion or thought they have, you know, they have. So it's totally her right to get offended by it, even though she put it out there, you know, but you do have to be aware yeah. that there's going to be backlash when you throw it out into the world and you're famous. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. And that was a perfect <laughs> insert. So, yeah, so I really appreciated that at least we know his perspective that he's like, I was not the target. Mm -hmm. Will Smith, I do not think is or was mad at me. I don't even think that comment upset him. You mentioned earlier, he laughed at first. Then he side eyes yeah. Jada. And then he goes and like, a, and you can count. He's like, one, two, three, four, five steps. Chris Rock puts his hands behind his back and Will Smith, I mean, at any point he could have just stopped and, and been like, it was enough for me to be like, I would hit a man for you, Jada. And he could have sat back down and he's made his point, but he didn't stop. But anyway, I digress. Yeah. The point is, is that Chris Rock very much feels like he was the scapegoat Yeah. because he was the straw that broke the camel's back. And finally, Will, it was a public statement of, all you people that have been emasculating me, downing me, you know, Jada, I think, yeah, it all came out. And I think that was somewhat close to my reaction when this first happened was that he must have been so overwhelmed in that moment 
And I want to go back and listen to that old podcast because I think I literally said something just like this. In that moment, so many things were going on in his mind Mm -hmm. uh, where he was already feeling some type of way of being attacked or, you know, whatever that was for him. That when he heard that and he saw Jada roll her eyes and he probably in his head flashed the argument that was going to happen in the limo on the way home from the Oscars. Oh my God, blah, blah, blah. And you just let him get away with it, right? Which and is he's also like, hilarious. I'm going to show her that I'm not going to let him get away with this. Yeah. And again, hilarious because you would think that if Jada had a real issue with it, she would have taken it up with him herself. Yeah. Instead yeah. of letting her man do it for, well, I, I'm not going to, again, I'm not going to get to all me, into it. To me, it was so indicative <laughs> of the dynamic in that yes. relationship I mean, I that Will agree. Smith took yeah. that many steps and completed follow through all the way. I mean, to me, it was my, I watched that so many times and in slow motion and it's just like, that's a long time in a dead, quiet room yeah. with everybody sitting down and billions of people watching for you to stand nobody stands up out of their seat and walks on stage unless their name is called like that's not normal mm-hmm. you know i mean what it must have felt like in his mind for him to make that follow through action yeah right uh and, and so i think chris rock nails it that, that he just felt attacked from every angle and this moment he had to fight back and so i don't know do i feel bad for will smith i don't i'm not sure uh do i feel bad for chris rock i I don't think i feel bad for him he was very clear that he was not a victim and he didn't feel like a victim Uh, i thought that was a an interesting thing Mm. for him to say um i would still consider him a victim because he was the uh as the legal world considers it a victim of assault Mm -hmm. uh and his statement this was to me his victim statement Right. This is the mm-hmm. only victim statement I think we're going to get from Chris Rock. And he got paid millions of dollars for it, which is way better than most victims get in the legal system. Yeah. Usually you just lose your life uh, for making a victim statement. Um, you don't get paid for it. So it was fascinating. I think it brings some closure to the subject. And I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Does Will Smith respond? Does Jada? Do they do a red table talk about it? I'm Who kind knows? of a, I, look, I am amazed that there has not been a red table talk about this but again it goes back to the dynamic and the issue of control and the narrative that they want to to let play out because it's it's her it's her podcast and um yeah I just I don't know I mean I honestly I cannot even imagine I mean I can't imagine But how I would feel if the person who cheated on me with my kid's friends then had a whole (laughs) podcast about it and about how I, I, I can't, I just look. I can't, I just can't. I'm, and you know, this is again, one of those things where I'm just like, just don't hit people. Just don't do that. You know, like, cause Which I was just, the name of the episode if you want to yeah. go back and listen to it. Cause I don't mean, again, people. like I, I don't know them personally and I don't 
no, I, I've heard everyone's opinion about it and I've heard what everyone thinks and all of the little things that everyone's reading into and all of that, but I don't know them personally and I don't know their history. And, you know, Chris Rock may have said all these things about Jada Pinkett Smith, but I don't know what their relationship is. So I don't know what was serious or what was taken personally or what, what, you know, I don't know. Well, he did basically in the special by saying like, I was a huge Will Smith fan. I have been rooting for Will Smith my whole life. I have been loving him since again, summertime. This is what he's saying that. in a sure. fucking oh, Netflix sure, special. Sure. I'm saying to you, I don't know them personally, and I haven't had conversations with them about this. So personally, I don't have. This is just such a weird. Uh, I don't have an opinion about it at all, other than you know, just well, don't I people. think we have to just listen to. I mean, I'm saying to me, unless I'm given a reason not to, I want to take people's word at face value. If he tells me that he really was a fan of Will Smith, then I don't have any reason to discredit that, unless I have facts to. Well, I mean, it. it's kind of hard not to be a fan of Will Smith. You know, yeah, I mean, no, I'm, just, I'm he, taking this he, hard because I have loved Will Smith. He was so much a part of our sure. growing and up. We, and we've talked about all this stuff. You yeah. Know, like, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just... Chris I, Rock was not a part of my childhood. No. <laughs> like, so I he do did think not it's have the same level. Interesting. But, like, I, I, I like your takeaway. Um, and Well, I, like I said, I felt like we had to talk about it because we did do a podcast yeah. on this. And it seemed like the natural place to do sure and it's news it's what's happening right now like it's what people are talking about right this moment so and i'm happy that chris rock got a chance to give his form of a victim statement in the venue and time and way that he felt most comfortable Uh, and i you know honestly i don't think it's bad at all that it was in this huge netflix special that people will be able to watch over and over again because it will be the thing that people remember about the Oscars for years and years and years and years and years and years and years, you know? So it's like, he should have something equally, you know, And his was all about, I loved this guy. And he hit me in an unprecedented display of aggression during a formal award ceremony. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And I think that was his big thing. Like, uh, I'm going to play the good guy here because he could have come out a lot of different ways. That was my thing. Is he going to come out on the attack when he waited so long and wouldn't meet him for an interview? I'm like, no, he's going to take the high road here. Uh, and he wants to figure out how he comes out looking way better yeah. than Will Smith in the end. And, and I think he, he really did all the right steps in that. So, yeah, I think now we wait to see if there's a response. I don't think Will Smith can help it. I bet he's going to respond. He's gonna I got something. I got 20 bucks on it. He's going to make a TikTok yeah. where he he answers questions that he feels that Chris Rock presented and on during our next his episode. Special. We will talk about how I am actually really into TikTok now. So, okay, alrighty. So, that is all there is to say about Chris Rock and Will Smith. Yes. If there is a response, we'll come back. I will definitely have thoughts. <laughs> But for today, let's leave it there. Kelly, I hope you have an amazing week. I hope you do too. I hope you enjoy the sunshine. Yes, I am heading out there now. So uh, yeah, until next time, keep it real.